This is your host, Pete Moore, and I am pleased and humbled to announce the launch of my one and only book titled Time to Win Again, 50 Takeaways from Playing and Watching Team Sports to Guarantee Your Business Success. Those of you who know me personally and anyone who listens to Halo Talks for any length of time know that I am an avid sports fan and a big believer in the value of team sports. What I've seen over the past 25 years helping businesses grow, raising capital, being an entrepreneur myself, in coaching and mentoring executives in the sector, it's the lessons learned on the field perfectly apply to business. Entrepreneurs, executives, managers, you name it. Every company that's a strong company has got a good team. It's a quick read. There's awesome illustrations in there from our good friend Mark at Cruelty Free Cartoons. If you go to integritysq.com, enter your email address, and we will send you information on the book and the Entrepreneur's Survival Kit as well. Be great. Take names. Go Halo. This is Pete Moore at Halo Talks NYC on location, Manhattan Beach, bringing in Dan Waymira right down the road, El Segundo. We are going to push and press, and we're going to find out how to run your club better than you did before. So, Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And let me tell you, I, I actually run a podcast myself, and like switching on that uh, welcome intro voice is is no easy feat for anyone who hasn't like been that, it. So right? You like that? Super hey, impressed, yeah. dude. You went from Thank chill you. to like we are in the podcast. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the last podcast I did with the guy who's played the NHL, we sang Oh Canada to start. So, you know, I got to switch on that every once in a while. So we're going to keep, I, the, I keep my singing. Yeah, we're not, no karaoke on here. But why don't you talk about your entrepreneurial <laughs> background that brought you to this industry? And, uh, you know, we'll talk about what you guys are doing to help people out. Right on. I'll try and keep it brief. So, I mean, I'm the type of person who knew I was an entrepreneur from the get-go. I used to have a paper route and I had put brownie, brownie stands up on the corner and stuff like that as a kid. Uh, I went to college right through the internet, kind of come, becoming commercially available. 1993 through 1999 was my college years um, and uh, jumped right into the internet. So I, I, I launched a startup. It was basically MySpace a little bit too early. It was a community, blah, blah, blah. We got funded and it went under with the dot-com bubble. And uh, so I kind of put my tail between my legs and I worked for a bunch of startups because I didn't like losing other people's money. And that's what happened in that, in that instance, um, worked for a bunch of startups here in LA, basically gained like 40 pounds because during the time they would just give you Italian dinners every night and give you cans of Coke on your desk. Cause they wanted you to code, code, code. <laughs> and, um, had a midlife crisis at 35 plus 40 pounds and decided like, yeah, man, I need to get back in shape. So I, and, uh, I'm as an entrepreneur, we do everything to the extreme. So I, basically found my way right into a CrossFit gym after having done nothing for 10 years, lost 50 pounds. So I lost all 40 pounds plus some was in the best shape of my life at 35. Couldn't believe what was happening. And the entrepreneur in me realized like, I think this is the future of fitness. Actually, this was in like 2006, 2007, mm -hmm. um, you know, went right down, right down the route of opening a gym, opened a gym. And once I got into the gym space, realized all the software was subpar based on what I knew we could build in the software industry. So got immediately to work on building software for gyms. And here I am today, 10, you know, 10, 12 years later. Awesome. So, you know, as you took a look at the, at the space, you know, there, there's, there's tech stacks galore when it comes to, Hey, I got this, you know, plug in for CRM. I got this plug in for, 
you know, data analytics. So what, what does push press do and how have you kind of decided, Hey, this is what our core feature set is. And here's where, you know, you should plug in our API with others. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the key learning for us, the, the, the two big things were we, one, we knew what software can do when we started building software. And uh, two, we knew how to run a gym because we had actually been running a gym while building the software. And um, the biggest problem I had with all the competitors or things when I was evaluating the software that was available at the market at the time was they were all really confusing. And I think it was because they were built during a time when APIs weren't available, integrations weren't a thing. You know, it was less modern at the time that they were built. And therefore, they just like Frankenstein together this huge, like horizontal piece of software. We took the approach where push press needed was to be designed more like an iPhone. Because again, at the time when we built this, iPhones were already out. So we had that as a frame of reference. When you buy an iPhone, it comes with like 10 apps, like mm -hmm. notes and calendar and whatever clock. But then everything that you want to do to make it yours, you're a financial guy or fitness guy, you extend it with financial and fitness apps. You're, you know, you like playing games, you install a bunch of games. That was the approach we took with push press from day one. We, we built it on the concept of integrations and extensibility through the concept of an app store. And I think that's one of the big things that we kind of nailed early. Gotcha. And when you take a look at some of the clients you have, um, you know, I'd say mind body kind of started as a, you know, running one type of studio, you know, probably wasn't as flexible when it came to looking at, you know, your entire company owned locations or franchise locations. So how did you guys architect it or what's the ideal type of platform or number of studios or number of clubs, uh, or does that not matter? For us as of today, actually, we actually, we sit in a really, um, a really unique spot that I think a lot of our competitors have actually left or kind of moved away from. And that's in, in more of the single owner operated, or you only own two or three type of locations. We are working towards multi-location, of course. That is the next next iteration of what we're doing. But as of today, we work really well if you're, call it a single owner operator, fitness mm -hmm. fanatic. Yeah. And I saw on your website that up to a certain amount of processing, there actually is no software fee. So talk to us about how, you know, that that's set up and, and you know, what are you guys trying to handle the payment processing or what, you know, what's the, what's the goal yeah. on your end? Yeah. So, so many talking points to this. Um, one of the reasons I started push press was because I, when I opened my first gym, I went through a month long process of negotiating with a payments provider. And if you, if you've negotiated with a payments provider, you'll understand my pain here. It was like faxing statements, faxing my ID, a bunch of negotiation at the time. And I negotiated a 1.9% payment processing rate. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my first members of the gym is a, actually one of the co-founders of Push Press. He was a banker. His name is Brian. And he told me there's no way in hell I was getting 1.9%. And he said, show me your statements. So I showed him my statements. He ran all the numbers and he said I was paying 4.5%, really, which okay. pissed me off, which really pissed me off because I spent a month of my life negotiating for the 1.9. So what we did is we partnered with Stripe early and Stripe is just a flat 2.9% payment processing fee. The another thing about us is we, you know, I owned a gym. Most of my team has owned gyms and we're really passionate about gym owners. They're on a good mission. They're doing the right thing for the world and they need support. Paying for expensive software to run your business when you're make, when you're just starting a gym is really rough. Like I went mm -hmm. through that. Right. And, um, so what we built, we actually were the first gym management software to offer a completely free tier. Um, so it's free to use the software. There are some gates obviously, because the idea is you're a brand new gym. 
um, we do add 1% to the payment processing fee. So you're paying a fixed 3.9%. So the, go- the idea and the message behind it is we want you to grow because when you grow past $14,000 a month in billing, that 1% becomes more expensive. So let's just flip you to a flat payment and then you don't have to pay that anymore. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so as you look to compete against someone, you know, there's not a shortage of club management systems out there now, obviously there's been a fair amount of consolidation, you know, how do you kind of get through the noise of, you know, the different feature sets and, you know, there's some people that have, come from outside the industry, but don't necessarily understand how the industry works. They just think that their software is conducive to how to run a club. So how do you differentiate and you know, really get the message across that, look, I've done this, I built this so I could run my club and, and really know what's going on, um, you know, versus, you know, other options you might have, like they might be good ones for you, but um, let me tell you how we differentiate. Yeah. I mean, I'll preface this and say that all software has its flaws and all software, like any software might be the better fit for any gym, right? That's, there's not a universal truth to that. And I will also say like, I am an advocate for gym owners. And if, if another software does work better for their needs, I will just tell them that because I want them to succeed with or without push press. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, to answer your question, we, we generally will, we, we honestly were built in the lens of running a gym. And like you said, there are a lot of competitors that are, they come from payment processing backgrounds. They came from PE backgrounds. They don't really know what it's like to be boots on ground. You're not just the gym owner, but you're the head trainer. You're the programmer. You're the janitor. You're the sales guy. You're the marketer. You're everything. Right. And we know what that's like. Cause that was my life for like almost a decade. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, we built the entire experience of push press around it. And like, when I say that our sweet spot is kind of like the single owner operator, it's that because if you're big enough, if you're making a hundred grand a month and you're running kind of a, a bigger gym and you have front desk staff, you know, that you can, you can navigate your way around a system that um, isn't applicable to push press. Ours is made for like, if you have one coach on the floor and you don't have a front desk person and you might be there as the owner and the whole system needs to be able to run without a bunch of people doing high touch stuff. Like the system needs to take care of it all for you. And um, that's kind of our sweet spot today. We will extend that for, you know, bigger gyms in the future, but the same concepts do apply. But for now, you know, our sweet spot is more that. Mm -hmm. So what have you seen over the last year in maybe a uh, heightened interest in, in optimizing the software features that you have, or, you know, some, what are some of the, the things that you've seen that you're excited about clubs, you know, moving towards. One thing I am seeing is like, there's a maturity going on in the boutique fitness space. And I guess I think ultimately that's driven by like the orange theories in them and the various boot camps coming into the space. Like you've got to compete at a higher level mm-hmm. years ago, gyms didn't care about churn. It was just all about finding leads or, you know, they didn't know what MRR meant or they didn't care about recurring revenue. There is a maturity that's happening now. And I think, you know, we're, we're happy to be on the forefront of that. One of the really exciting things to me as a tech nerd is previously ideas like machine learning and and AI and uh, big data sets and things like this were only the luxury of an IBM or a Facebook, right? Like they were the only ones who can really have the computing power to crunch through this stuff and be able to hire the engineers to, to make use of this data. That's not the case now. So um, what's really cool that's going to be coming down the pipe probably across all systems, not just push press, is going to be a huge push towards data-driven decisions, machine learning taking place on the back end, a lot of automation that couldn't couldn't be afforded before. And I think 
it's going to unlock a lot of productivity amongst, um, let's just call them for what they are, like really high stressed gym owners who are doing too much stuff, right? Like mm. the goal of software should be to automate redundant jobs away from your day. So you can focus on what as a human being you're best at doing, and that's relating with your customers personally, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen uh, some people kind of hide behind the technology. You know, they say like, yeah, I communicate with my members, um, you know, like a studio that could have, you know, 300 members. And they say, oh, yeah, we, we send an email. And I'm like, well, what, what are the people actually saying? And how are you figuring out how to, to put that into something that's measurable and then manage the business according to that? Um, so I'm happy to hear that you're, that you're saying that people are going to be using AI. It's not like, okay, here's the people that are most likely to cancel in the next 60 days you know, do something about it and don't yeah, just, and, and to, take, to, to take that a step further, what systems are going to be built towards, at least what we're going to be built towards is not just here's, here's Johnny. He's going to turn in the next 60 days. It's going to be, here's Johnny. He's, he has a 58% chance of turning in the next 60 days because his attendance used to be this is now this and his engagement rate in the member app is this. And in order to fix this, you should send this text with this copy Right. And if he doesn't reply, then you should, you know, it's going to just tell you what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And that stuff is because as a gym owner, like you might kind of know antidotally what you have to do, but um, like having the data behind it matters. And then the, then the system can learn and say like, Oh, when we send that message, Johnny didn't reply, but Mary did reply to this other thing. So we can start to adjust down the right funnel. Right. And, And are you, and at push press, are you actually developing that or building that in? Yep. Yeah. And and is that an extra charge or is that how, how do you guys think about the, is no, that so, the way to like help enhance the recurring nature of their business and your business at the same time? Yeah. I mean, in, in the, in the, at the end of the day, our job is to make our, our, our clients successful. And if they're successful, we're successful. So will that be an added charge? No, but at some point we're, we're artificially low priced right now. Mm-hmm some point we're probably going to raise rates, right? So the, the cost will go up, but the value will be 10 X that minimum, you know? Got it. You know, you, you're in a unique position because you, you've come from outside the industry. How much time as an entrepreneur do you spend looking at what's going on in other industries instead of just your own uh, our own uh, in order to get ideas or, you know, say, Hey, look, this is what's going on in the restaurant industry. Like we're, this is what's going to have to happen in our industry in a year. Or how do you think about it as like a, you know, forward thinking entrepreneur? So there's multiple answers to this one. I really don't spend a ton of like, I don't have blocked out time or concerted time that I spend looking at other industries as an entrepreneur and probably anyone else here who is an entrepreneur will, will relate. I, every business I interact with, I dissect. I'll go into a restaurant. I'll understand. I try to understand what's their funnel. What are they trying to get me to do? Where, you know, how does this business work? Where are they making money? Why is this so cheap? And then they're, you know, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So the trends, I'll say this much, the biggest, one of the biggest, um, eye openers I had, I, I've spent, I never owned a SaaS company before this one. So I've spent my last five years learning everything I can about SaaS. I didn't even know what, you know, what some of these high level unit economics were five or six years ago, or, you know, what I realized is gyms are basically SaaS companies. Yeah. Their, their service as a service is what they are. Right. So everything I learn in terms of how to grow push press 
how to increase unit economics, how to generate leads, how to go outbound, how to do inbound, like everything we do completely relate, completely applies to gyms, right? Mm -hmm. Almost 100%, except they're just dealing with people in person, right? So they have slightly different like scalability issues and, you know, they have brick and mortar footprints that they have to deal with and stuff. But one of the biggest education pieces we can do as we work with gyms is just teaching them how to understand unit economics of a service business, right? So Got I it. pay attention to most service businesses I interact with for that, for that measure. Mm -hmm. when, when you talk about pricing, you know, I, I'm trying to get health club operators to raise their price. Uh, you know, there's no reason why it should cost less to buy a turkey wrap than, you know, a health club membership for a month in New York City. So, you know, as you think about <laughs> engaging with people and saying, hey, look, this is what my price is as like the start, but I'm kind of mission critical to your business and you actually want me to make more money because the more money I make, the more money I'm going to reinvest in my business. So, you know, we're kind of lockstep and we're actually a partner with you. Do you have um, hope or do you see operators saying, you know, look, if I'm going to compete with Orange Theory, you know, I'm not going to compete on price. So I'm going to compete on, you know, value and results and I got to get paid for that. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the, the common journey of an entrepreneur is you compete on price until you can, you can compete on value, right? That's, that's common. And, and it's inherent, like without even thinking about it, people do that. The, what you have to get people to realize is once you have value, you have to compete on value. You shouldn't be competing on price. And I think that's the turnover. That's the point where a lot of um, gym operators don't see is like, I am either this close to unlocking value or I'm already there. And now I just have, to, and what it is, is the confidence in sales really is what it is. Um, most gym operators, especially the ones we deal with, the single owner operator types, they love their clients. They love their community. They really want people to get fitter and that's their mission. They don't want to be seen as a slimy salesperson. What they don't understand is like when you don't deploy some sales technique and some, um, some, some designed funnel for sales, you're actually doing a disservice to the people because they, they might not join your gym and they might, they might not even get into fitness because they weren't led to understand the value that they can get out of your process. The other thing to this point that was brought to my attention, maybe three or four years ago, that is so relevant is um, generally there's two types of shoppers in the world. And uh, let me know what you identify with. There's top down shoppers and there's bottom up shoppers. So top down means like you're going to on a vacation and you're looking for a hotel you start looking at like the most prima hotels and you start shopping down to the what you can afford. And then there's bottom up shoppers who like start at motel six and go like, eh, it's in a druggy area. I don't want to do that. And they move up to like what they're comfortable with. Right. Me, I'm a top down shopper. Yeah. I top down it. Not yeah. bragging. I'm just answering your question. No. Yeah. It, it's I, not I'm bragging because you might, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's just how I roll. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. And you might go all the way down to like something not that great. Right. But you want to start aspirational. And I think that's a mindset, right? You want to work with aspirational people who want to start at the top, right? And want to get to the top. And those people are willing to pay to be at the top, right? Yeah. And when we're talking unit economics, like you want to work with the people who are willing to pay to be at the top because once you get them to the top, they'll pay you what you're worth. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting when you think about that because, you know, a lot of, uh, if you're a steak restaurant, you know, you're going to, you're going to like lead with, you know, like the Kobe beef and then somebody can come in and get like a, you know, a petite filet. Right. But you're saying like, I got the best stuff here. We're in the health club industry. You're like zero down 19 a month. And then I'm going to try and upsell you 
to 99. Why don't I say like $99 a month? I will fucking change your life and you will yeah. be so amazing. But if you want to feel mediocre, like I got a $19 option. Like wouldn't that be exactly. a better way to like present the, the meal? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, there's a million different theories on pricing and, you know, some people will talk about price anchoring on the 19 and then getting it to go up. But you know, I think you, if, if you, that's the, the hard part about selling at a high price point is you have to provide value or people will quit. Yeah. You can't charge $3.99 a month for a gym membership and be a 24 hour fitness, right? So you have to back up what you're, what you're doing, but if you can back up what you're doing, you should be charging an aspirational price. Yeah. So switching gears, last question I had for you. Um, the pace of change on technology today is about as fast as it can get. You know, when you think about the amount of versions of new apps that get uploaded with new features or, you know, bug fixes. I used to run a software company in 2000 to 2003. We had a new version come out, you know, once every 12 months. Um, some of my sales guys, unfortunately, would try and sell that version before it was ready. So nobody bought the prior version, which didn't help with sales. Leave that aside. You know, you as an as a technologist, as an as an entrepreneur, as somebody that's, you know, probably fastened your seatbelt, is is the the pace of change in our industry too fast? Is it just right? Is it, you know, hey, we don't have time to digest the technology? Hey, what's your view on that? You know, given being an entrepreneur and having thousands of opportunities and trying to pick them. Yeah, it's it's a that's a very uh, it's a wide question, right? Because this could apply to the consumer, this could apply to the gym owner, this could apply to me building software. A um, lot of lot of different ways to go. Let's put it this way: in my opinion, I think con the, the consumer is the ultimate important piece because they're the ones who are buying gym memberships, right? I think consumers love technology change. They love going from, you know, watching CBS news at night to having Netflix watch anything you want all the time, binge watch everything, right? That's, that's the world of consumer technology. Mm -hmm. As a result, as a gym, yours, you are selling and competing for their attention and that's what they want, right? I'm not saying, and it, and it would be tough to implement too much technology in the gym because I do think in the gym, there is something about just raw back squatting, and doing right. burpees and running there's you know like the just the untechnological appeal to that and and building community and all the things that happen in these gyms have no technology right but the things surrounding that they do want technology they want to have a nice member app they can interact with the gym with they want a community piece to it they want they want to be able to you know sign up for a membership at your gym or a free trial class without spending 18 minutes you know and trying to remember passwords and all that like it yeah. like all the pieces where they do touch tech have to be flawless and fast. That's a great, that's a great answer. So, so in closing here, you got any good uh, quotes that you live by or things that you like to say, or things that motivate you when late at I night mean, you're fixing something? Honestly, so many, I mean, I, I, I mean, as a philosophy, I, I think it's important to fail as a human being. If you're a gym owner, you you should be able to appreciate. So, so many people are afraid of failing, right? But in the gym, I keep speaking to the gym owner, right? Because it's, it's what I love. You need people to fail. I have to fail my back squat in order to establish a one rep max, one rep max, right? I have right, to try right. for a seven minute mile to get a seven minute mile. I have to try and fail a hundred times to get a seven minute mile, right? Comfort doesn't bring anything, right? Um, so failing is a part of the process and you just have to fail fast and learn from it. Everyone already knows that. 
the next thing I, I would tell people since I've got the platform to do it, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a guy in this, in the tech space named Naval Ravikant. Uh, he's, he started a few companies. He's actually put out a podcast. He did a tweet storm, which he turned into a podcast, which is basically how to become rich without being lucky. Have you, you, you're nodding your head, Dave. You heard of it? Dave knows it. Yeah. Fucking life-changing. So I tell everyone I get a chance to just, it's a free podcast. It's a free ebook even, right? I bought the book because it was so life-changing to me, even though I've, li- I listen. So I do long distance running because I can listen to things that make me smarter or whatever, while I get some exercise. I've listened to that podcast probably five times now. Mm-hmm. Naval, How to get rich we'll without getting notes. lucky. Yeah. yeah. Um, listen to that over and over and over again, because there's so many tidbits in there that will change your perception on how to run your business or approach life that are key, right? Awesome. All right, on that note, I'll see you for brunch in El Segundo. Yeah. Welcome officially to the Halo Sector. Feel free to use that acronym and uh, look forward to meeting you in person here and www.pushpress.com. Help uh, one person at a time, one gym owner at a time, and we will successfully change the world. Good to have you you on. Thanks, man. Thank you.